Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Good morning, everyone. Uh, like I said, my name is Joe, um, and it's so great to see all of you here. Thank you so much for coming and choosing to make uh, True North a part of your Sunday. Um, for my part, I feel uh, incredibly blessed uh, and honored to have the privilege to be up here and speak to you this morning. Um, it, uh, this is a far distance from where I normally am at True North on a Sunday morning. As I was just saying with Daniel, making jokes about being back in Uptown, every single Sunday I get to spend an hour with the fourth and fifth graders. And I've been doing that now for a number of years. And while I'm up here and I have the chance to kind of talk about Uptown a little bit, I just want to say that if you have a child that has gone through Uptown or will go through Uptown um, or is going through Uptown right now, I mean, what an incredible atmosphere that Phil and Michelle and then all the volunteers create back there each and every single week. Um, it's such an amazing thing to be a part of, and I just know that nobody back there takes it lightly, lightly that they are a part, just a small part of the kids, your kids' spiritual walk. So while I was up here, I just felt like I had to say that about Uptown since I've been a part of it for so long. But uh, when, I'm, when I'm not here at True North on Sundays and I'm not back in Uptown, I'm still around kids because I'm a high school English teacher. Uh, and yeah, the kids are a little bit older, but it's still the, the same great feeling to be around them each and every day. And one of the other awesome things about being a high school English teacher is the idea that I get to be around a number of people who are experts in different disciplines. So I'm an English teacher and I of course enjoy sitting down with my fellow English teachers and, and talking about literature and kind of geeking out over it, but I don't know very much at all about math uh, or science. In fact, I'm not that smart outside of English, I just realized. But it doesn't matter. Math, science, you know, social studies, special education, there are all these experts in the building uh, on these topics that I know nothing about. It's a really diverse place to kind of be a part of every day. Uh, but regardless of all the different expertise of these different teachers, there is one thing that all teachers have in common. And it goes beyond the high school level. It's the middle school level. It's the elementary school level. Uh, it goes outside the classroom, too. It's the custodians, it's the secretaries, it's the admin team. Everybody in every school building has this one thing in common. They 1,000% always know when the next vacation is. <laughs> every single person who works in a school building will tell you they know exactly when the next school break is, and they probably know it better than most of the kids do. And I can prove it, because working in a school building, there are a lot of people in there, and I don't know everybody, and so, some people I see, I know their faces, but they're basically strangers. But you know, these school buildings have these long hallways, and it's super awkward because you're walking in the same in the opposite directions. It feels like you're passing one another for like a half an hour, so you have to like make eye contact at some point and find something to connect on. And I can tell you, I could be passing a perfect stranger, and as I'm walking past them and I make eye contact, they're going to say something to me like, eight more days till the break. And then a couple of days later, I can pass that same person. I don't know their name. And they're like, six days till the break. Until finally, ultimately, we get to that final day before the break. And there is an extra pep in the step. And it's like, we did it. We made it. It's the break. Every single time, one is coming up on the calendar. And so I'm having some fun at the expense of teachers today. Uh, I wasn't always a teacher. It's kind of like my second career. But we all kind of do this, don't we? We can all relate to that. We all do the countdown to Friday or whatever day your weekend starts. And if you are fortunate enough to, to have paid time off, you can get a vacation on the books. When you do, immediately, the looking forward to it begins, 
right? You have those dates in your calendar and you are looking forward to them and you could at any time probably spout them off. You may even be able to tell, you, tell somebody how many days left at any given point. You start looking forward to that break because we all need a break from the madness. You look forward to that date, whether it's a week on an island somewhere or it's just gonna be a staycation and you're gonna sit home in your living room and never remove your pajamas, no judgment. You look forward to that break from the routine, the chance to kind of get away from the everyday. And there's a term for this. There's an actual psychological term. You can be diagnosed with it. It's called wanderlust. And it simply means a desire to travel or a desire to move away from where you are. Now, on the surface, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Maybe you consider yourself as having wanderlust. Maybe you follow some travel accounts on Instagram. You have that list of places you want to go before you die, and you look forward to that next vacation. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But there is a part of wanderlust that can become dangerous. And that's the part, that feeling, that we just want to escape. That's the part of wanderlust that can become dangerous and potentially destructive, especially spiritually. You know, growing up, I was very fortunate that, you know, with my family, we would go on at least one vacation a year, maybe every other year, whatever it was. And when we went on these vacations, it wasn't just my mom and my dad and my brother. It's my aunt, it's my uncle, it's my cousins. And now that we're older, it's our significant others. It's this, this giant group of us going on these vacations. And it's always just the absolute best time. We look forward to it so much. And when we go on these vacations, the one thing that always typically happens, regardless of how hard we try, is our vacation seems to become centered around where we're eating. Always. Got to have all the meals lined up. No meal can go unobserved. It's vacation after all. And so when we sit down to these meals and we go to vacation, as, uh, go to dinner as a family or lunch or breakfast or midday snack, two things are happening at the table. Number one, and it's typically driven by my uncle and my father, we're planning where we're going to eat next. Got to make sure we have those reservations for the next spot locked down, especially if you're a big group. Can't be shut out of a good restaurant on vacation. It's Vacation 101. And the second thing that inev inevitably happens is we begin planning our next vacation while we're on the vacation that we're on. And yeah, I, I hear the laughter. It seems like a lot of us do this, right? And I, you know, in those moments, you know, it's cool to get excited about the next thing to look forward to. But I always think, I'm like, we're on vacation right now. Like, we look forward to this for months. We could plan this later, maybe, right? But it's just human nature. We all fall into it because we all want that next thing to look forward to. Nobody wants a good time to end. You know, if you take a vacation, you take some days off, when it gets to Wednesday, the vibe starts to change. It's like, oh, why is it Wednesday? It's half, it's half over. That's not good. And we do the same thing with summer here on Long Island as well. We have that kind of shortened summer season. Somebody once called August the Sunday of summer. I don't know who did it, but it, it sticks in my head. And it's such a depressing fact. We get through July and it's like, oh, the summer's half over. And then right away, we stop enjoying kind of what we have going on because we're so bummed that the summer is about to come to an end. And we start to look forward to that next chance where we can break the routine and escape from the everyday. Now again, I'm not here today to say there's anything wrong with a vacation or a time off or the weekend. That's all good stuff. We all need that. But we have to, I think, ask ourselves the question, is my desire to travel or my desire to get to the weekend 
or my desire for that day off. More about what I'm looking forward to getting to or is it more about escaping from where I am presently at? Because again, when we do that, it becomes dangerous. And I wouldn't even want to call it wanderlust at that point. So we're going to call it today when we do that, spiritual wanderlust. Because the definition of wanderlust in and of itself is a romanticized definition, a desire to travel. That sounds great. But if we look at the word wander on its own, and we look at the definition in Webster's Dictionary, the definition of wander goes like this. It says, moving about without a fixed course, aim, or goal. To go astray, to lose mental contact. Defined like that, that's not wanderlust, that's spiritual wanderlust. And the scary thing about spiritual wanderlust is I don't need to go on a vacation or have a weekend or a day off to give in to my spiritual wanderlust. To lose mental contact in the middle of a conversation with a friend. Or to find myself aimlessly scrolling through my social media feeds during a time when I've set something aside to get done around my house. Or to close myself off completely to what God may have for me or want to do through me on that particular day. The Bible warns about this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. It says, So... As the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. The key word there being today, right now. God has something for you right now that he wants you to partake in. But if you are busy falling into spiritual wanderlust and having a hardened heart, you might miss it. You might miss what God has for you right now, today. I find, me personally, that this most frequently happens when I am unhappy with where I'm presently at. And by that, I don't mean a physical location. I mean just circumstances going on in my life. And I I had this earlier this year. I told you earlier, um, I'm I'm a teacher, and uh, back in the spring, I was, you know, I basically found out with a few months left in the school year that the the school I was working at wasn't going to have a position for me in the upcoming school year. And so I loved this place. I'd been working there for three years. Uh, I loved the faculty. I loved the students. I loved the community. I felt like I was part of the fabric of the place. And so the idea that I wasn't going to be working there in a few short months crushed me. And beyond the fact that I wasn't going to be working at this place that I loved, was the fear and the anxiety of, well, what am I going to do now? Where am I going to work? Where's my next paycheck coming from? And if you know anything about teaching on Long Island, it's not always easy to find jobs. And so I just became absolutely miserable. Instead of enjoying my days in this school that, I was, that my time was winding down, every day felt like this goodbye tour, goodbye to faculty, goodbye to friends, goodbye to students. And instead of enjoying it, I was so unhappy with where I was presently at that I was never really actually present anywhere. During that, I would call it a three, four month span, there were a lot of conversations that I was not actually present for. 
I had lost all mental contact. You were talking to me, but I wasn't actually listening. And during that time, there were a lot of moments where I would come home and sit on my couch and I'd stare at a TV that I wasn't actually watching. I had convinced myself that I was a victim. I didn't deserve to not have this job. I didn't deserve to be looking for work. I didn't deserve the fear and anxiety of interviews and uncertainty and wondering how I was going to make my next paycheck. And I played the victim game, by the way, absolutely perfectly because I falsely bought into the belief I cannot be happy about anything that is happening in my life right now until this thing changes. For me, it was this career issue. What is that for you? What is the thing that's going on in your life that you've decided I can't celebrate anything about where I am because this thing isn't resolved yet? Is it a financial issue? Is it a medical problem? Is it a relationship that's become untethered that you have to do work on? What is it for you? What are you trying so very hard to escape from? In the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul is writing, and to give some context to the passage, he's writing to a church in Philippi. And he's writing to them at this time a letter of encouragement and, in, and trying to tell them to be steadfast in their faith because they're undergoing a lot of persecution at this time from people outside of the church. And Paul, for his part, as he's writing this letter, he's actually writing the letter from inside prison. He's imprisoned. And so both Paul and the Philippians here have a lot of reason to play the victim. Paul could easily say, I'm not writing a letter of encouragement. I'm in prison. I'm not doing anything until I get out. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he puts his pen to the paper. And in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying here, whatever that thing is for you, Whatever that thing that's causing you to fall into spiritual wanderlust, that's causing you to just disengage with where you're presently at and to lose mental contact and to go astray, when you feel that coming upon you, enter into prayer. And when you do it, do it with a thankful heart. And when you do that, that's when the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind. I have to tell you that, that that phrase, the peace that transcends all understanding, is one of my favorite phrases in the entire Bible. I love that. The idea that when the people in your life who know what you have going on look at you, all they'll be able to say to you is, how are you so calm? That is having peace, even when it doesn't make sense to have peace. Man, I want that. Paul says to get it, enter into prayer when you feel your, the urge to fall into spiritual wanderlust. Okay, that part, that part feels easy enough, right? Because even if you don't necessarily identify as a Christian, when things get tough, one of the first things that a lot of us do is we look up. We, say, we throw a prayer up there. It's the second part. 
That second part is, is difficult, no matter where you are on your spiritual walk. Enter into prayer and do it with a thankful heart. And it's like, it's as if Paul knows the rebuttal that's about to come out of us. Like, Paul, with a thankful heart? You looked around? Do you understand? Do you not understand what it is I'm going through? Do you not understand how dire these circumstances are? Do you not understand how consumed I am by this? You want me to be thankful right now? Paul hears our rebuttal and he answers it before we even have the chance to speak. In the very next verse, in verse 8, he writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, if you are struggling with the giving thanks part, find the nearest good thing and thank God for it. That's step one. Find the nearest good thing and thank God for that. When I was going through what I was going through with my career earlier in the spring, it wasn't as if there was nothing good going on in my life. My wife, Stephanie, and I have a one-year-old daughter. Uh, she just turned one a couple months ago. And during this time, back in the spring, she was, you know, trying to get started with crawling. And uh, the problem she was having is that she kind of plop herself up, and then just as she was about to move forward, she would kind of plop back down and then start pushing herself backwards. And I remember looking at my wife like, this ain't right. Well, this might be a problem. And it just seemed like it was never going to happen. And uh, I remember one night I came home particularly miserable during this time. It was probably sometime in early May. And uh, my wife and my daughter are, are on the floor in front of me, and, and, and she's trying to crawl again. My daughter, not my wife. My daughter's trying to crawl. <laughs> Oof. My daughter's trying to crawl. And, uh, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm just particularly miserable that given night. And I'm on my phone, and I'm scrolling through God knows what, talking to God knows who. And unbeknownst to me, on the floor in front of me, my daughter had for the first time plopped herself up and started to move forward instead of back. And my wife is trying to get my attention. She's like flailing her arms at me, and she doesn't want to say anything too loudly because she doesn't want to startle our daughter. And finally, that wasn't working, so she goes, Joe! And I, like, snap my head quick, just in time, to see our daughter, Aria, fall back down to the floor. And my wife looks at me, she goes, she did it, she crawled! And I missed it. I missed it. And I remember sitting there, and that was like, man, I didn't automatically just change my ways right away after that, but that was a moment for me. I had like a kick in the back of my head, like, what are you doing? Why are you letting yourself fall victim to spiritual wanderlust? Jesus says in, chapter, in uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. When we allow ourselves to be consumed by the circumstances in our life that make us unhappy, we lapse into victimhood. We fall into wanderlust. And we fail to be present right where we're at. And we stop 
living. And that is the enemy out to steal and kill and destroy. Instead, what does Jesus call us to? He says, I want you to live life and live it abundantly. What does that mean? It's like living to the extreme, the fullest extent. I think that means being present every possible second to live life abundantly. So how do we do that? How do we live the abundant life Christ has called us to? How do we fight wanderlust and stay present? In his letter to the Thessalonians, it's once again the Apostle Paul writing. He says in chapter 5, verse 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. In other words, no matter what is happening in your life, be thankful to God. Because if you let yourself be uh, crestfallen into spiritual wanderlust, if you let yourself lose mental contact, if you let yourself go astray, you're going to miss what God has for you right here and right now. Like me with my daughter in the living room. God's glory right in front of my face. And I couldn't see it. C.S. Lewis puts it a different way. He says, the present is the only point at which time touches eternity. In other words, if we want to be present where we're at, we have to choose where we're at. Whether or not it's what we would have chosen for ourselves or not, it's here. So we might as well choose it. We can't be freed up to be where we are until we choose where we are. So this week, when the pressure mounts at work, when anxiety tries to take hold, and you feel yourself about to give in to spiritual wanderlust and just check out, don't. Find the nearest good thing and thank God for it whatever it is. Maybe for you, that's your family. Maybe it's your mom, dad, spouse, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, cousin. Maybe it's just engaging in a really good conversation with them and making them laugh and hearing that laugh. Maybe it's stumbling upon the perfect song on the radio, cracking the windows, letting the fall air in while it's still with us and just staying dialed in to every single lyric and note. Or maybe it's sitting down to a hot, fresh slice of pizza and just enjoying every single bite and washing it down with an ice cold Coke. Amen. If you go, to, if you go for pizza after this message, I did something right. And the entire time you eat that pizza, by the way, you think of nothing, but it's cheesy, saucy, greatness. We can fight wanderlust, spiritual wanderlust. We can choose to be thankful to God. We can find the nearest good thing and choose that. And we can live the abundant life that Jesus has called us to. Imagine if you would just for a minute, a community of people living that way, thankful to God, 
choosing the moment that they're in and living the abundant life Christ has called us to. That would be a pretty amazing place to be. Can we work on all that together? Let's do it together. I'm gonna invite the band back out and I'm gonna pray for us. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for every single person in this room today, Father. Uh, we thank you for the band and the amazing music uh, that, that you've given to us, Lord. And we, and we ask you, Father, for the, for the strength and the gentle nudging as we go about our week this week, Lord, that when, when it seems like there, we, there's just nothing around us to be happy about or to be thankful for, Lord, that we have that gentle nudging from you, that, we're, that we enter into prayer and we choose the nearest good thing, we thank you for it, and we begin and continue to live the abundant life that you have called us to, that you help us fight spiritual wanderlust as we go throughout our week and be present in the moment that we're in. I ask you that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.